Our God in Psalm 113, verse 1, says to us, Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. We will now turn in the scriptures to the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 50, where we will read the third servant's song. Isaiah chapter 50, we'll begin at verse 4 and read to the end of the chapter. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakens morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned back. I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, they all shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Behold, All ye that kindle a fire, that can pass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire, and in the sparks that ye have kindled. This shall ye have of my hand. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. So far the reading of God's faithful and infallible and instructive word. Dear church family and Verse 10 of the chapter that we read, the song, the third song, this third servant song concludes with this question, an all-encompassing question. Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? Who, who among us as a flock is one that fears the Lord, is one that obeys the voice of the servant of the Lord? Or who is there among us who, who still walks in darkness and has no light? This is the question that Isaiah concludes this servant song with. And it will be, it will, it will and can only be one or the other. 
Either we are fearing and obeying the Lord or we are walking in darkness and have no light. And this is the question that the Lord confronts us with this morning, both in the Word and in the sacrament. Have our eyes been opened so that we fear the Lord, or are we still in darkness? And regardless of where we are at, Isaiah then says to us, commands us, Whether you're fearing the Lord, trusting Him, obeying Him, or whether you're in darkness, He says, trust in the name of the Lord and stay or lean upon His God. The Lord in His mercy and in His grace not only issues a command to trust Him, to obey Him, to love Him, to serve Him, but he also gives us reasons for why we should and can and, and ought to do this. As, as he leads us, as the servant of the Lord himself comes to us this morning and talks with us and directs us to consider him, to think about him, to, to remember him and what he has, has done. He is worthy to be served. He's worthy to be adored. And in, in this, in this third passage, this third servant song, the servant of the Lord begins, and we have essentially three verses to this song, and each of them begins with the Lord God. And the servant describes what the Lord God, his, his God, his Lord has done for him, and then in response, what he has done back for or in response to what the Lord is doing for him. The Lord God was one who was teaching him to be that faithful servant that he, he would be. So he could, could and would and was willing to come and minister to, to his own, to us today. The Lord God was the one who was preparing him to, to be open to the mission that the Lord was calling him to do. The Lord God was helping him, helping the servant of the Lord to to walk in obedience. And the servant tells us how he responds. He's going to be one who is going to be filled with compassion, a compassionate care for his weak and weary people. He's going to be one who, who is resolved to do what his Father has set for him to do. He's one who, is going to, uh, who has the confidence that his Lord would not only uphold him and help him as he, as he walked these 33 years on the earth, but would vindicate him and would declare him to be righteous and would raise him up again. And as we hear, as we hear the servant of the Lord come to us and talk to us this morning, the question is, how are we going to respond to him? Will it be by trusting in the name of the Lord, in his servant? Will it be by leaning on him, resting in his promises, 
in the merits of his servant? Will it be by remembering, especially this morning as we not only hear the word, but as we see it in the bread and wine? And so our theme this morning is remember the obedient servant, one who was taught to obey, one who was resolved to obey, and one who was helped to obey. And we'll consider the last thought at the tables as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. You will remember in the first two servant songs that we've been directed as a church family, as a flock, by, in the first song, by the Lord himself. And he said to us, Behold my servant. Stop and, and consider. Pay attention to, to my servant. And then in the second song, on Wednesday evening, we considered the servant himself comes to us and says, Listen. Listen, O Isles. Hearken, ye people from afar. We've been called to behold the servant of the Lord, the one who was from before the foundations of the world, who with his father created this vast universe, one who was chosen by his father, who was equipped and who came in humility and compassion and who would be and has been the successful servant. We've seen the servant himself draw attention to the fact that he would be a real human being. And he came in in weakness and need, both in body, mind, and soul. And we saw on Wednesday evening how this was intensified as, as he came to those last hours of his life in Gethsemane, Gabbatha, and on Golgotha. It was because he was a real human being. That sinners like, like each of us are can be saved. And today the servant comes and he talks with us. In this monologue, he, he communicates to us and he calls us to remember, to reflect on him as the faithful and obedient servant of the Lord. Three times he begins in this, three times in the song, he begins with a phrase similar, the Lord God hath, or the Lord God will. The Lord God hath given me a, the tongue of the learned. The Lord God hath opened mine ear. The Lord God will help me, he says. The Lord God in the original is Adonai Yahweh. It's a name that speaks to the, the, the majesty, the, the sovereign rule of the Lord over everything. But it also speaks to the fact that he is a covenant Lord. One who is, who is delighted and delights to have relationship with people, sinners. But it's only through his servant. This one, the servant says... That the Lord, his God, the Lord God, was active in his life as he came into this world, as he, as he, as he walked this earth for 33 years. 
He was there for him, was with him, was teaching him, was instructing him, was helping him. The Lord God helped his servant, taught his servant. We read in verse 4 that the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. I should know how, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God gave his servant a tongue of the learned. That is, he was, he was given a tongue that was, he learned how to speak and to use his tongue to, to minister to his needy and, and weak people. He was trained and equipped so that he would be ready to use it in a moment's notice. Jesus, as the servant of the Lord for 30 years prior to his official ministry, was growing and was learning. Luke tells us in chapter 2 that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Hebrews 5, 8 tells us that though he were a son, though he was the son of God, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. As he's given the tongue of the learned, this took place through him living life here in this, in, in, in this world, in suffering and in growing. And as he, as, he, as he learned and as he grew, he was being equipped so that he could minister to, to his people, to, to us today speaking into our lives, into the various situations that we find ourselves in with sympathy, with compassion, with words that are suitable to meet us where we are at right now. As a pastor, I don't know all the cares and needs where your heart is at right now, but he knows. He knows exactly where you're at, and he's able to minister to you through his word and through his sacrament. Friend, isn't that what you long for today? Do you long to hear a word from the Lord, from the servant of the Lord? To hear a word in season? Maybe it's been your prayer this week that the Lord would have a word for you, would speak to your heart and to to your mind. In the preaching, in the sacrament, For maybe you're weary, you're tired, you need encouragement. Well, he's the one who calls us today to remember him, to remember that he learned in his humanity. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered so that he can and he does and he's willing to speak into the lies, a, a word in season to those who are weary. And may he do that today. It's our prayer that he will minister to us. But not only, but not only was he given a tongue of the learned, not only was he taught to obey, but the, but the servant of the Lord was obedient. He was resolved to obey. And this is what we see in verses 5 and 6, the next stanza of the song. As he, as he begins this section, he says, The Lord God hath opened mine ear. 
The Lord God hath opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheek to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. The servant of the Lord came willingly, and he gave himself to, to complete his mission. He was resolved to be obedient. He was resolved to carry out the mission that his father had given him. Even, even as we considered on Wednesday the, the questions that he had about the challenges, the difficulties of the mission, yet he was resolved. The servant says that he was, he was made willing in his humanity to give himself to suffering and death. The Lord God hath opened mine ear. The idea, the idea here of having one's ear opened is not just to hear, but to take the information in, to learn it, and to apply it, to live it out. The servant was given ears to hear, to hear what his mission was going to be, and then to carry it out. There was a resolve. There was no hesitation. There was no resistance. In a sense, he's saying, yes, my ears were open. I am willing and ready, Lord, to give myself to suffering and death for those that you have given to me. I will do this willingly. I will do this without hesitation. And so he says, I was not rebellious and this word rebellious has, has the idea of speaking to the, the, the demeanor of his mind and his, his, his disposition. One commentator writes, this word refers to the inner attitude. Whatever hindrances there were toward accomplishing the mission that God had set before him, they came from without and not from with the, within the mind or the disposition of the servant. The servant of the Lord was not like so many other of the Lord's servants who balked at the call that, the, that God had given them. Children, you think just a few weeks ago as we considered Jonah, who at the call to do the Lord's bidding ran, ran the opposite way, or we can think of Moses who gave his excuses that he wasn't able to speak, wasn't able to do this. No, this servant, this servant, our Lord Jesus Christ, was resolved to obey. I was not rebellious. I did not turn my back, turn back. I went forward with resolve. There was no possibility of rebellion or failure to be found in our Lord Jesus Christ. He was, de- he was determined to do the will of his Father. Even from a young age, we, we find him in the temple, 12 years old, and as his parents come looking for, for him, he, his earthly parents, Mary and, and Joseph, he says to them, "'Wiss ye not, I must be about my father's business?' 
And later, towards the end of his life, as he prayed in John 17, he says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Christ, in his human nature, as the servant of the Lord, was resolved. And he then uses this this picture. He says, I've set my face like a flint. He was looking forward with intensity and purpose. He knew where he was going. And Luke tells us, uh, referring back to this passage, he says, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, to go to the cross, to endure the intense and suffering that he experienced at Gethsemane and Gabbatha and, and on the cross at Golgotha. He did this for those whom the Father had given to him. For a people who, who were not committed to him. For a people who had no interest in him. For a people like you, dear believer, who he sought out and found and opened your eyes to see him in his beauty and his glory. And the servant here describes what he's, what this resolve all entailed. I gave my back to the smiters. I gave my cheeks to those who plucked out the hair. I didn't hide my face from those from shame and spitting. And isn't this what we remember as we come to the table of the Lord? As we, as we partake of the bread particularly, we remember how his body was broken. How, how he gave his back to the smiters and his cheeks to those who ripped out the hair of his beard. How he faced the shame, the ridicule, the scorning, the spitting. And he did this, beloved, so that you could go free, so that your eyes could be opened. His body was broken, his blood was poured out, He took on stripes on his back, ones that we deserved. He endured with resolved obedience. He didn't just endure the the searing physical pain, but he, he, he bore the insults, the scorn. To pluck out a man's beard was to show utter contempt. To have someone spit in your face was complete ridicule. And in all this, he was not rebellious. He didn't turn back from what his father had called him to. If he had been a mere man, a mere human being, if he had been like you and I, we would have responded in kind in some way or another with a spirit of revenge But he gave himself. He humbled himself to the point of death. So that he would not only be vindicated, declared righteous, but that he could bring in a people to be, to be united with him, to stand with him, 
of people who would be with him having no condemnation, who are justified, no one to condemn, because he was absolutely helped. And this is this third thought that we'll consider as we, as we come to the table of our Lord. But before we, we come to the table, we'll turn to the form of, of our, we can find on page 137. We'll pick up our reading of the form on the top of page 137 in the second, second column. Let us, let us now also consider to what end the Lord has instituted his supper, namely that we do it in remembrance of him. Now after this manner are we to remember him by it. First, that we are confidently persuaded in our hearts that our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the promises made to our forefathers in the Old Testament, was sent of the Father into the world, and that he assumed our flesh and blood, that he bore for us the wrath of God, under which we should have perished everlastingly. From the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life upon earth, and that he and that he hath fulfilled for us all obedience to the divine law, and righteousness, especially when the weight of our sins and the wrath of God pressed out of him the bloody sweat in the garden, where he was bound that we might be freed from our sins, that he afterwards suffered innumerable reproaches, that we might never be confounded, that he was innocently condemned to death, that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. Yea, that he suffered his blessed body to be nailed on the cross, that he might fix thereon the, the handwriting of our sins, and hath also taken upon himself the curse due to us, that he might fill us with his blessings, and hath humbled himself unto the deepest reproach and pains of hell, both in body and soul." on the tree of the cross, when he cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That we might be accepted of God, and never be forsaken of him. And finally confirmed with his death and shedding of his blood, the the new and eternal testament, that covenant of grace and reconciliation, when he said, It is finished. And secondly, that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace. The Lord Jesus Christ, in his last supper, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in like manner, after also after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. This do ye 
as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. That is, as often as ye eat, eat of this bread and drink this, of this cup, ye shall thereby be as, be as by a sure remembrance and pledge, be admonished and assured of this my hearty love and faithfulness toward you. There, that whereas you, you should otherwise have suffered eternal death, I have given my body to the death of the cross and shed my blood for you. And as certainly feed and nourish your hungry and thirsty souls with my crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life. As this bread is broken before your eyes and this cup is given to you. And you eat and drink the same with your mouth in remembrance of me. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus, we see that he directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice once offered on the cross as to the only ground and foundation of our salvation, wherein he is become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true meat and drink of eternal life. For by his death, he hath taken away the cause of our eternal death and misery, namely sin, and obtained for us the quickening spirit that we by the same who dwelleth in Christ as in the head and in us as his members might have true communion with him and be made partakers of all of his blessings of life eternal, righteousness, and glory. And besides, that we by this same Spirit may also be united as members of one body in true brotherly love, as the holy apostle saith, for we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. For as out of many grains one meal is ground, and one bread baked, and out of many berries being pressed together, one wine flows and mixes itself together. So shall we all, who by true faith are engrafted into Christ, be altogether one body through brotherly love for Christ's sake, our beloved Savior, who hath so exceedingly loved us, and not only show this in word, but also in very deed, towards one another. Here to assist us, the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, through his Spirit. Amen. That we may obtain all this, let us humble ourselves before God with true faith and implore his grace. O merciful God and Father, we beseech thee that thou will be pleased in this supper in which we celebrate the glorious remembrance of the bitter death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to work in our hearts through the, through the Holy Spirit, that we, we may, may daily, more and more, with true confidence, give ourselves up unto thy Son, Jesus Christ, that our afflicted and contrite hearts through the power of the Holy Ghost, may be fed and comforted with his true body and blood. Yea, with him, true God and man, that only heavenly bread, that we may no longer live in our sins, but he in us and we in him, 
and thus truly be made partakers of the new and everlasting covenant of grace, that we may not doubt, but thou wilt forevermore be our gracious Father, nevermore imputing our sins unto us and providing us with all things necessary, as well for the body as the soul, as thy beloved children and heirs, grant us also thy grace that we may take up our cross cheerfully, denying ourselves, confess our Savior, and in all tribulation with uplifted heads expect our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven, where he will make our mortal bodies like unto his most glorious body and take us unto him in eternity. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Strengthen us also by this Holy Supper in the Catholic undoubted Christian faith, where, whereof we make confession with our heart, mouths and hearts, saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried, He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. That we may now be fed with the true heavenly bread, Christ Jesus. Let us not cleave with our hearts unto the external bread and wine, but lift them up on high in heaven, where Christ Jesus is our advocate at the right hand of his heavenly Father whither all the articles of our faith lead us, not doubting, but we shall as certainly be fed and refreshed in our souls through the working of the Holy Ghost with his body and blood as we receive the holy bread and wine in remembrance of him. Dear church family, we heard in the first servant song, The Lord our God come to us and say, Behold my servant. Behold my servant. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delights. The Father delights in his servant. He delights in his beloved Son. He's well pleased in him. And if you are well pleased with the beloved, with the servant of the Lord, he calls you to come, to come and remember his suffering and death, 
And so all those who delight to behold the servant are invited to come and partake of the bread and wine. And at this time, we give an opportunity, particularly for those who are elderly, uh, who need some extra time to come up to the table, to come. The Father once more calls us to behold his servant, to behold him in his beauty, in his compassion, his humility, to see him, to delight in him as he delights in his beloved son. There's a number of number of chairs open from this first table. If it's your delight to behold the Son as the Father has given him, to rest in his finished work, come. Okay, we'll close. We'll close this table. O gracious Lord, Thou hast called us to behold the Son, to behold Thy servant, the one that Thou hast chosen, the one that Thou hast sent into this world, the one who who humbled Himself, who came willingly, in his full humanity. And he gave himself to the death of the cross, to suffering and shame. And he did that for sinners like us. Oh, Father, as we, as we partake now of the, the bread and wine, I pray that our minds would be directed to the Lord Jesus, to the fact that he had his body broken and he shed his blood so that we could be set free. We could know the, the forgiveness of sins. So commune with us, Lord. Hear us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. The bread, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Our Lord Jesus had his body broken, and he calls us to partake of him. This is my body, which was broken for you. This is my body, broken for you. As we remember, Jesus had his back He gave his back to the smiters. And he did so willingly and with resolve. This is my body. Broken for sinners like we are. This is my body broken for you. As we see the as we see the bread being broken, 
So Jesus had his body broken. And he did, he had it broken for you, dear believer. This is my body broken for you. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat. Our Lord Jesus Christ was not only taught to obey, not only resolved to obey, but he was helped in his obedience. He was helped to obey, and he acknowledges this. He, he knows that the Lord, his God, will help him carry out what he is called to. He says, for the Lord God will help me. The servant of the Lord places his trust in his heavenly Father. And he did this throughout his life, dependent dependent on the Lord in, in his humanity, on, on his heavenly Father. Didn't we, didn't we hear him do that at, as he was at the grave of, of Lazarus? As he stood before that grave, he turns to his heavenly Father and he prays, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou, hast, thou hearest me always. And at various points in his life, we see our Lord Jesus go in prayer to his heavenly Father, communing with him, but no doubt pouring out the, the challenges, the difficulty, the weakness of, of his humanity, his need for his Father to care for him, uphold him, and, and help him. And he went to the cross to, to, to have that, his body broken, but also to, to shed his blood as we, as we now remember, as we drink. <clears throat> the cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Jesus says, this is my blood that was shed for, for the remission of sins. And as certainly as you see the, the wine poured out into the cup and as it's being distributed to, to you now, so certainly Jesus shed his blood and gave the forgiveness of sins to all who trust in him. This is my blood that poured down my back as they, as they hit and whipped me, Jesus says, that I shed for sinners. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Drink ye all of it. Jesus continued to depend on the Lord his God again and again throughout his his earthly ministry. And towards the end of his life, as he communed with his disciples in the, in the celebration of the Lord's Supper for the first time, we read him, we hear of him praying in John 17, where he confesses that, Father, the hour is come. 
glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. And thou hast given him power over all flesh, and hast given him eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Jesus was given power by the Father. He says, thou hast given him power. His heavenly Father, our, our God, has given his Son power to carry out, to, to do what he did for the salvation of sinners. Divine power to help, to be that glorious Savior that we remember right now. And Jesus not only was given power, was given the help that he needed to carry out his mission, his task. But he, in carrying out and depending on the help of the Lord, also now prays for us, his people, so that we too have a God who will help us in our time of need. In that same prayer in John 17, Jesus says, I I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. While I was with them in the world, I, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou hast given me I have kept, and not lost, and not one of them is lost. And then a little later in the, he prays, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their, through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Friends, the servant of the Lord was confident in the Lord his God, that his Lord would help him. And so we too can be confident in the Lord our God, that he, he will help us. He will help us to walk with him, for him, to live for him, to live lives of thankfulness, to, to love him, to serve him, to obey him, to help us to be resolved, to, to, be, to walk faithfully as he calls us to. And so as, as we've communed with our Lord, he now sends us out, promising that he will help us as he helped his beloved son. And so go, friends, in the strength of the Lord, serving him, loving him, and living for him, which, as Paul says, is your reasonable service. At this time, we will now give an opportunity to, for others to remember the Lord's death. The servant of the Lord once more calls us to listen to hearken unto his voice. And he calls us to listen on multiple occasions, to hear his voice on multiple occasions. And today he calls us to remember, to remember his suffering and death. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And friend, if you know, if you know something of what the Lord has done to open your blind eyes, to release you from captivity, come and remember what he has done for your soul. Gracious Lord, we once more call on 
the Lord our God, the servant of the Lord. We're thankful for thy suffering and death. And do feed us, nourish our souls, speak to our hearts and minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. This broken bread signifies the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ as he, as he gave it to, to the smiters. This is my body. Jesus says, broken for you. This is my body, broken for you. Just as you see the bread, bread being broken, so Jesus had his his body broken. And he did this willingly. He did it with purpose and intentionality. He did it with resolve so that we could be set free. So that our being ones bound to sin, that those bonds could be broken. This is my body broken for you. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Just as you see the wine being poured out and distributed to you, so Jesus shed his blood for the remission of all our sins. as he gave his back to the smiters, as, his, as he was nailed to the cross, the, the blood flowed. And as David tells us, his blood washes us whiter than snow. 
This is my blood shed for the remission of sins. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Drink ye all of it. As the servant of the Lord confesses that the Lord will help him, he then says and continues in verse 7, Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. I will not be, says the servant of the Lord. I will not be confounded. I will not be put to shame. In his resolve to go to the cross, to, to, to suffer, to die, to have his body broken, to have his blood, his, his blood poured out for his people, he, he, he knows that he will not be confounded, he will not be put to shame, he will, as, as Hebrews directs our attention to, he, he endured all this for the joy that was set before him. He knew that he would be victorious, that he would rise again. Then there's a sense in these words of, I will not be put to shame, a sense of anticipate, he anticipated the resurrection, that he would come out of the grave, he would be alive. And as, as the choir sang on, on Friday evening, he lived to die and he died to rise again. Our Savior would not be confounded. He would not be put to shame. And he did this, believers, so that we, we don't have to bear the, the horrors of God's wrath against our sins because he did it. He took it upon us. He did it so that we could be set free. We could have freedom in Christ to live for Him, to love Him. Yes, there may be, there may be animosity, ridicule as we live in this life. And Jesus told us that that would be the case as He prayed in John 17 that we would experience suffering, challenges, but we too, like Christ, who was not put to shame, there will be a day where we too will rise again to be with him in glory. No more sin, no more trial, no more temptation, struggles, suffering, but life everlasting. And we anticipate that day, even as we celebrate the supper of our Lord, because he said, do this often in remembrance of me till I come. There's going to be a day where we don't have to gather around a table like this, but we'll ever be in the presence of the Lord. And he equips us, our Lord and Savior, to go out and live because he's prayed for us. He says in John, in John 17, verses 14 and following, I've given them thy word. He's equipped us with his word. Yes, the world hath hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. 
And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. The Lord, in, in, in bringing us from darkness, has also given us a mission. He sent us, he's kept us in this world to, at this time, to live for him. But he says, do it in dependence on the word of God. The word is truth. And it's the truth that's going to sanctify us and help us and equip us to live in this world. And so, beloved, as you leave this table, a a place of refuge, a place of communion, as you go out into a world where there will be opposition, there will be challenges, don't go out in your own strength, but go in the strength of the Lord, depending on him with his word, knowing that he's also equipped you with his spirit. He's poured out his spirit. And so go in his strength. The servant of the Lord came to open blind eyes. He came to deal with the blindness of our hearts. He came to set prisoners free. And if you know with the, the blind man in John 9 that there was a time in life where you were once blind, but now you see, having had your eyes opened by the, by the servant of the Lord, come and remember him. Come and remember him. Or as the servant says in the second servant song, come forth. Show thyself. We'll close this table. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful that thou art a God who opens blind eyes, that thou art the one who uncovers the blindness of our hearts and draws us from the prison houses, releases us and sets prisoners free. Oh, feed us, Lord, in green pastures and beside still waters. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The bread which we break is this not the communion of the, the body of Christ. This is my body, which is broken for you, Jesus says. This is my body, broken for you. Broken so that I could break the bonds of sin. The chains of darkness. so that sinners like we are can come into marvelous light. This is my body, broken for you. Broken so that you can be made whole. This is my body, broken. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat.
the servant, our Lord Jesus Christ, continues in in verse 8. He says, He is near that justifies me. Who will content? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Jesus says there's one near who will justify or will declare him righteous, will, will vindicate him. He suffered. He died. He, he lived a, a perfect life. He did what his Father had chosen him to do, to accomplish. And as he hung there on the cross, as he, as he accomplished what he had set out to do, he came to the point where he said, it is finished. And, and he gave up the ghost and, and the Father was satisfied. The Father was satisfied with his son's, his son's suffering, his son's death. Yes, he went into the grave, but on that third day he rose again, vindicated, declared righteous, had accomplished the purposes And he now sits enthroned on high. He sits at our Father's right hand. And he's making intercession for his people, for for us right, right now. Interceding for us. Speaking into our hearts and lives words of comfort and words that are, are in season to, to our souls. Paul tells us that if Jesus hadn't had not arose from the grave, had not resurrected, then our faith would be in vain. But he says that's not the case because Jesus has risen and he's the first fruit of all those who have believed. The Father was satisfied. And so, dear, dear friends, you can be satisfied with Christ, with Christ's suffering and death You can be satisfied with his finished work. And he does, and the Lord not only declared his son righteous, not only justified his son, but he's, he's justified all who have believed in him. The Father has declared you, believer, righteous because your sins are washed in the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus, Jesus indicates this, the servant indicates this in our passage. And as he continues, he says, He is near that justifies who will contend. Let us stand together. Let us. Let those who are, have been united to me, let those who, who have been given to me come and stand with me in my finished work. Oh yes, the accuser might come and, and contend with, with you might challenge you. But Jesus says, there is none who will be able to contend with me. There is none who can rise up. There's none. And so, dear believe, there is no one who can contend with you either when you're found in Jesus Christ, when you're standing with Him. And so, go forth. Go, go into this week knowing that there's no accusation. There's no one. We'll consider this a little bit more at the next table. There's, there's no one who, who can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus.
follow the Lord together with him. You're not on your own anymore, but you have a faithful servant who leads the way, who guides us. So go forth, beloved. The cup of, the cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the, the body of Christ. This is my blood, Jesus says, shed for the remission of sins. Just as you've seen the, the wine poured out and distributed among us, so the blood of Jesus is poured out and given to cleanse from all sin. The cup of blessing which we bless we, is the communion of the blood of Christ. Drink ye all of it. Believers, beloved, having communed with the Lord, go in his strength, go with him, walking with him into this week, into the coming months, depending on him, living for him, day by day. Are you weary? Are you in need of rest? Are you tired of the struggle with the old man, tired of sin? Do you long to hear a word from the Lord, a word in season from the servant? Well, then come to the one who has been given the tongue of the learned. Come to the one who, who speaks a word in season to weary ones. Come. He says, Come unto me, all ye that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Are there those who, who long who, to commune with him, to have a word in season? Come. Are there any who cannot deny what the Lord has done for your soul and you delight and you desire to have him speak a word in due season and come to commune with him? If not, then we will close this table. And let's close, guys. If you want to come over here, guys. Faithful Lord and our gracious God, we are thankful that thou art one who speaks into our hearts and our lives, who delights to commune with us. Hear us, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The bread which we break is the, is the communion of the body of Christ. This is my body, broken for you, our Lord and Savior says, to set captive sinners free. Brothers, take and eat.
Jesus is confident as the servant of the Lord. He's confident that there will be none who will who will be able to condemn him. He he says in in verse verse eight. Who will contend with me? Who will let him come near? Who who is my adversary? Who is he that will condemn me? There is no one, brothers. There is absolutely no one who can come before Christ and condemn him, who can contend with him. And isn't that what the Apostle Paul directs our attention to in, in Romans chapter 8 at the end of at the beginning of the chapter and then at the end of the chapter, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Because there is no one who can condemn him. He is, he is absolutely free of any condemnation. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the the blood of Christ. Brothers, drink, drink ye all of it. There's no, there is no one to condemn Christ, but that also means there is no one to condemn the believer. Oh yes, Satan may bring various accusations against us. At times, our, our own consciences might condemn us. There may be people in the world who, who accuse us, but there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Later on, Paul says in Romans 8, What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Because Christ suffered, because he endured the the wrath of God against sin, he has set us free so that we may enjoy all things that are in him. And so when the accuser comes... We can say to the accuser, take, take, take this accusation to my Savior, to my Lord Jesus Christ, and he will get nowhere because there is none to stand before him. In fact, the Isaiah describes, or the servant describes what these accusations will be like. They'll be like Garments that are moth-eaten. They, they're old garments that have waxed old. They will just disintegrate and fall apart. And so the accuser of the brethren, his accusations will just fall apart. They will have no weight because Jesus has set us free. And so we can rest in him. We can come to him. We can be led by him on and on. And so come and rest in him, brothers, dear people of God. Let's close this table. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for the communion we've had, the fellowship, for reminding us through the visible tokens of bread and wine of the glorious realities that there are for the people of God. 
Lord, we're thankful for this day. And bless us now. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Beloved in the, in the Lord, since the Lord hath now fed our souls at this table, let us therefore jointly praise his holy name with thanksgiving. And everyone say in his heart thus, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases, who crowns thy life with destruction, who crowns, who redeems thy life from destruction, who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. Who hath not spared his own son, but delivered him up for us all, and given us all things with him. Therefore, God commends therewith his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified in his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Therefore, shall my mouth and heart show forth the praise of the Lord from this time forth for evermore. Amen. Let's pray. O Almighty and merciful God and Father, we render thee most humble and hearty thanks that thou hast of thy infinite mercy given us thine only begotten Son for a mediator, and a sacrifice for our sins, to be our meat and drink unto life eternal, that thou givest lively faith, whereby we are made partakers of such great benefits. Thou hast also been pleased that thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, should institute and ordain his holy supper for the confirmation of the same. Grant, we beseech thee, O faithful God and Father, that through the operation of thy Holy Spirit, the commemoration of the death of our Lord, Jesus Christ, may tend to the daily increase of our faith, saving fellowship with him through Jesus Christ, thy Son, in whose name we conclude our prayers, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.